Welcome to Fright School. Are you ready? Class is in session. Welcome back to Fright School. Hello, Joe. Hi, Joshua. How are you doing? Uh, I'm great today, and that right? is not an exaggeration. <laughs> yes, today is a very, very great day because we are super, super freaking excited to welcome back uh, to uh, quote our our episode, the fabulous Chelsea Stardust. Uh, we are wel- we are so happy to welcome her back to the show. Uh, hello, Chelsea. <laughs> hello, yay! Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my very, gosh. Very, very stoked. It's so um, good to see you guys on Zoom. <laughs> I know it's so good to see you too. One day we one day we will have no Zoom. We will be in the same space. Yes. Yes. I, still I just think went back in your house. When you were like in my yeah, in my I was just gonna say I I love I like fondly think back to when you were in my kitchen in my little apartment in Los Angeles and sitting around. And I think we talked for like four hours or something insane. Yeah, it was long. <laughs> and, editing, and editing feet there, but, um, and just like hanging out and yeah, I miss you guys. <laughs> well, it, yeah, it's super excited uh, for you to join us again today. Um, yes, you can go back and listen to episode 81, The Fabulous Chelsea Stardust, and 82. So 81, we dive into your uh, your Hulu film, All That We Destroy. And then in the next episode, we talked all about Catherine Bigelow's Near Dark. Super, super fun. Uh, and then if you go and listen to episode 84, all of this will be tagged, of course, in the... In the um, Underneath, you can hear our original review, uh, Booty Call and Baphomet, uh, all about Satanic Panic, uh, which we're going to do a deep dive in today with director Chelsea Stardust. Super, super exciting. But first, what are people, how, how, is, how has COVID been treating you? <laughs> oh, man, COVID. Um, you know, it, what? creatively, it's been tough because, um, we were like, I was pushing along on, on a project that I was helping develop and going to be directing. And it was like a web series that I was going to be directing all the episodes for. And then that kind of fell apart because of COVID. So that sucked like losing a job because of this, um, was awful. And, but at the same time, it was, you know, it gave me a chance to work on some other projects, like collaborating with writers and um, I'm attached to a project that we're casting right now because actors have time to read scripts. So you're not waiting, you know, four months for someone to read something. (laughs) So as weird as that sounds, but um, you know, it's been, I'm watching a shitload of TV, (laughs) TV and movies and just like consuming. I'm actually just catching up. It's, it's, this is going to sound really messed up, but um, after 2018 and 2019, they were such crazy nonstop years. And then I was basically going into 2020. I just hadn't stopped. And so this is the first time I've actually had any moment to like breathe since basically I like moved to Los Angeles 13 years ago. So it's like, at the same time, the reason is horrible. Um, so that's, it's like a weird, I have a weird conflicting feelings about it. Um, but still working on things whenever I can, again, watching a bunch of stuff, reading books like crazy. Cause it's like, well, I'll never have this kind of quote unquote time again. And even with this project I'm casting, I'm like, Hmm, well, I might as well do the script breakdown with the writer. I might as well start shot listing because I have time to do it. <laughs> but 
overall, it's been, uh, you know, I'm missing interactions with friends. I'm missing hugging people. Right. Like, yeah. You know, there are certain things that I love to do that just I haven't been able to do, but figuring out, you know, I'm roller skating, like a lot of other people are <laughs> things like that, trying to stay active, um, eating too much because Sean Keller cooks me all the things. Um, and then, you know, the one great thing during COVID that happened was getting engaged. So positive yes. things. Yay. <laughs> Yay. Yeah, so exciting. Yeah. So, but you know, getting by taking it day by day and just hoping for, you know, um, things to eventually normalize. It may take a while, but I know that that's gonna eventually come, but just living really skinny, just saving as much money as I possibly yeah. can to keep surviving. So, um, but yeah, doing kind of the same dance. A lot of other people are doing. Yeah. Oh yeah, um, absolutely. So you said you've been watching lots of stuff. What are, what are your recommendations? What are you loving in this time in this, you know? Yeah. I, um, just finished Bly Manor, Haunting of oh. Bly Manor. And I had a couple of friends who directed a few episodes and my friend Alex oh, Esso cool. was in it as well. So yeah. So enjoyed that. Um, and I just did, I was a judge for Grimfest, um, the film festival in Manchester, and I got to watch, a, you know, a bunch of films. Um, I loved Bria Grant's 12 hour shift. Um, I really liked Alone, the jo- I think it's John Himes movie. Um, I watched a movie called Rent-A-Pal that was really weird, um, <laughs> that I dug. There was a movie called Rope that I really liked. Um, that hasn't come out yet, but enjoyed. There was a, but there was actually a good amount because you never know with a film festival, um, what you're going to get, but there are a lot of like really awesome films. Um, Natasha Kermani has a film that's doing the festival circuit called Lucky with, and Bria Grant wrote it and is in it. It's awesome. Um, what else have I seen lately? Those are kind of the, oh, oh my God. Um, I saw, I went to the world premiere of Freaky. Michael Kennedy, the movie Michael Kennedy wrote with Chris Landon that Chris Landon directed. Oh my God. It will be on my like probably top three of 2020. Um, Really? Oh my God. I loved it so much. And I, I guess it, I'm biased because Michael Kennedy is a very close friend. We've written stuff to like, he's written stuff. We've written stuff together. He's written stuff for me to direct. Um, And I love Chris Landon. He's a close friend as well, but oh my gosh, it was so, cause a lot of people complain. There's no new slashers. We don't have any new slashers. Well, well, here's the new slasher for you. And it's it, honestly seeing Vince Vaughn do comedy again was, you know, I know, you know, people have thoughts on Vince Vaughn, but he was incredible. Oh, yeah. And Catherine Newton <laughs> was incredible. Yeah. But he's, he was, they were both. So the whole cast is incredible, but, um, I loved it. And it's so fun and it's funny. And I think, you know, in the year that this has been, um, I highly recommend it for some lighter fare. Um, when it comes out, uh, it's on VOD and I think it drive-ins November 13th. So loved that. That is um, perfect. Freaky Friday, the 13th kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, That's exactly. Perfect. So, um, loved that. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm excited to see Rebecca. The, I love the original Rebecca. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Rebecca it's my favorite Hitchcock, but I'm excited to see the Netflix movie. Um, those are some, sort of the ones that are, coming to mind. I'm obviously watching a movie every, every day this, um, this month, a new horror movie, whether it's an old one or a new one, um, and catching up on some things I haven't seen. Um, so that's been, that's been pretty fun. I just watched, I married a witch, which I had never seen. Oh yeah. Veronica Lake. Yeah. I loved it. I was like, this is great. Um, it would pair really well with like bell booking candle or something like that. So trying to see ones I haven't seen and then revisit all the like comfort films. Cause that's what we kind of need right now. But 
and you know, Great British Baking Show, things like that. <laughs> it's back. I'm so happy. Uh-huh. You know. Here's where you and Joe can. Uh, <laughs> well, know, see, so I actually don't watch comedy. the Great British Baking Show. Um, what? I know. I I feel like I got. I feel like I'm too late. Um, I no. will say that um, I did watch um, Nadia uh, Nadia Hussein who was um, the one, one of the winners of Great British Banking Show. She has her own cooking show on Netflix called Nadia's Time to Eat. And I have not only watched every episode twice, but I have made, like, I made her, like, savory French toast with turmeric. Like, it's, it's yeah. So, That's but I know awesome. that she's from Breaking Show. But, like, it makes me want to go back and watch her season. But, yeah. But, yeah, so. It's never too late. It's never too late. Okay, and that's good. I have to good. say, like, it was a, I discovered it when I was shooting Satanic Panic, actually, because I had a friend recommend it to me. He's like, listen, if you're, when you get home, you're so exhausted, but sometimes you can't sleep. Yeah. He said, you should put this show on. It's on Netflix. And I was like, what? what? Okay. And I love the Food Network. So right now I'm watching like Halloween Baking Championship, Halloween Wars, Outrageous Pumpkins. Like I'm watching all that shit. But he was like, you should check it out. And I watched it and I just fell in love. And then I ended up, I stopped watching it because I was like, I need to watch this with Sean. Um, never too late, never too late to okay. start. <laughs> it's just comforting. And it's, they're also nice to each other. And it's yeah, they're really nice. So they get a plate. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. I and they get a plate. Yeah. And I recommend I have... Big Flower Fight too. Oh, uh, oh, I love Big Flower Fight. I, I, I did watch Big Flower Fight. Um, and I loved it because I was like this, I shouldn't love this as much as I do. Um, and when I've been, cause I've been sheltered with my parents uh, for most of this and we watch, I watched all of big flower fight with my mom. And then every single time we're like thinking about a movie to watch, she's like, is there any more big flower fight? I'm like, no, it's, it's another season, new season. Um, but just the fact that like people, they did pick people who were not um, gardeners, not horticulturists and just like artists or, you know, the father and son and like with, I mean, the father yes. and son with his depression monster. I'm just like, yeah. yes, absolutely. I loved it. Yeah. It's never, never too late. Like I'm catching up on stuff. Like I just watched Dead Wax on Shudder that came out in like 2018. I'm just now watching Channel Zero. So I'm like, oh, wow. yeah, I'm, I've done the first two seasons. I'm just, I, it's just stuff that came out when I was like shooting or just didn't get to. And now I'm like finally catching up on it, which has been, and I just started East Siders. So that's another thing that came out forever ago. So I'm like finally watching that. Um, there's, there's just so much. Oh my God. <laughs> so East Siders. Yes. Um, yeah. Kit, it has um, Constance Wu yeah. is in, in it. Yeah. I love it. I want um, just to go back real quick talking about big flower fight. Is that what it was called? Mm -hmm. Yes, it is. I want Christopher guest to make one of his like movies, like old school, like how waiting for governor best in show, but set at a flower show because I played, I've played a few fairs and those people, I mean, that is like, there are some (laughs) characters there that I'm like, I would fucking love to see. Maybe not Chris, somebody. Somebody needs to do like a mockumentary comedy very seriously set in that world because it's really fascinating. I love that. Yeah, very, very, um, yeah, interesting to me. Because Best in Show, I worked at, when I was younger, I worked a dog show once. Uh, I I worked for this collectibles gallery and we had a whole range of like 
dog statues. And so everybody could come and buy their dog. And it was not, I mean, I'm like, this is a doc. This is a true documentary. This is what the, I mean, it was truly what people were like. It was bonkers. <laughs> oh my God. Amazing. I so, love it so much. I just think that there's a lot of space there to um, have some fun in that world. <laughs> and I think like, also speaking about the COVID of it all, I kind of got in like a rut where I just didn't want to, it's not that I didn't want to watch movies. I just couldn't, I couldn't get in the right headspace. So watching mm-hmm. things like Big Flower Fight, Great British Breaking Show, Nailed It, like things like that sort of helped me forget about what was going on outside of my apartment. And, you know, it was something I didn't have to think a lot about. Like my brain was just not at the capacity it normally was and dealing with like the general anxiety and depression of everything going on. Um, so it was really, I finally worked my way back into movies. And then of course I was watching stuff. Like I binged hammer. I binged Bava. I've been like crazy binging of stuff, but that was something that I kind of a comfort thing I kind of needed at the time. Um, and that sort of helped me work through my, um, mental health, I guess I'll say. Oh yeah, absolutely. Oh yeah, totally. I, um, I, for a long time, I, it it took me a while to want to watch anything new. Right. So it took me, like, I was really surprised that, um, I finished Hollywood in the first weekend. Like, I didn't Mm. think I was going to finish Hollywood because I just, I haven't watched a lot of, um, of newer shows that have been coming out over the, over the summer, but, um, watching like non-scripted content (laughs) is just, there's something about it. You can literally just keep it on. It's just there. Um, yeah, it's, that's kind of been my saving grace too. Yeah. yeah. It's that comfort watching, you know, or like rewatching old stuff, like anxiety watching, you know, cause you already know yeah. what's going to happen. You don't have to, you know, um, I did want to do a plug for shutters new, the mortuary collection. I just watched it, uh, last night, two nights ago, uh, really fun anthology movie. Just wanted to throw that out there. Uh, you know, kind of in line with like trick or treat, not at, I, I mean, I, I think it's good. I don't think it's as good as trick or treat, uh, but it was, it was a lot of fun. So I just wanted to throw that out there that that's what I watched. That was new this week. Um, you know, perfect for like, you know, throw it on at Halloween again, mm-hmm. you know, another one of those kinds of movies, uh, you know, throw a few episodes of tales of the crit trick or treat. Yeah, there you go. You got a whole night of entertainment. <laughs> Satanic panic, obviously. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, that was. I think that was. Was that all I wrote down? That was the big. That was the big thing. Um, and new something new. Yeah. Yeah, I also um, totally random um, did a watch uh, or I, I did a uh, like live thing with Rachel True from the Craft. She's got a new book out and tarot card set. It was a lot of fun. Um, Alice Hoffman, who wrote Practical Magic, she's got a new book out. So I did that. I've been going to lots of Zoom uh, book signings and events like that. I love it. Horror adjacent, you know. Um, I guess this is a good time really to mention because of talking about Rachel Trude, the craft, uh, October 30th, we're going to be on horror movie night live stream from what was it? Six to seven. I always get confused because it's like East coast time, but <laughs> I think we're, it's, I think it's seven to eight. Yeah, something like seven to eight. We'll have the firm details in, in the bottom, but we're doing an ode to witches. We have an awesome uh, local witch that's going to be on chatting with us about witchcraft in film, you know, uh, women in, in, in power. So it'll be super fun. So you should come and join us on that. Uh, anything else, Joe, before we uh, take a quick break? 
Um, so I've been since May, I have been doing a weekly movie night with, uh, my two friends that live in Colorado. So they, um, we've basically been working through our different, like we call it throwback Thursday movie night. So we just, you know, sync up on uh, zoom and, and watch it. And we've been watching like things that were very comforting to us as kids. Um, and my, my boyfriend is not, he hasn't seen a lot of movies. So a lot of these movies he's seeing for the first time. And, um, or me and my friend Eve, who has been on the show, Eve Parker, she's very, um, she's she's the one who introduced me to like Halloween and horror stuff, you know, years and years ago. So this month has been a lot of like horror related, horror Halloween related stuff. So most recently, her fiance Chris, he uh, showed, he picked for this past week, uh, Vampire in Brooklyn. Yeah. And <laughs> I had never seen it. And it was wild and it was so much fun. And I don't think I'd ever seen Eddie Murphy in a character like that. And so it was very like fresh and new. And part of me was just like, I can't help but think about this. I think that's just the function of the time in which we live. But like, I just kept thinking like, if they were to make this today, like if they were to remake this, it would be so strange because like, parts of Brooklyn are like super gentrified. <laughs> so it's like, what would it be? What would the vampire in Brooklyn be like now? <laughs> um, and then, and then also, you know, it had Angela Bassett and I'm, and I'm here for that. <laughs> yes. Uh, Joe, I can't believe trivia this Friday, October 23rd, you could join us for uh Fright school takeover trivia of Joe's um, what do you call it? Socially distant trivia. Yeah. I've been doing socially distant <laughs> trivia nights just for people to come and have fun and, you know, be subjected to whatever crazy questions I ask. And so this week we're basically fright school is hosting it. Cause I always, when I host a trivia for a trivia company here in San Diego, every October, like the, the trivia night right before Halloween, I would always do a big trivia bash. And I've been looking at pictures from last year because um, the theme costume were like SNL sketches. And so the teams came as different SNL sketches. It was, it was really fun. Um, but for this year, because we're, you know, not really trying to encourage people to be indoors <laughs> in places in big groups. So we're doing virtual and we're doing it as like a, you know, just a function with fright school. So yeah. it'll be fun. It'll be the people who come to trivia are except for maybe one or two of them are not like huge horror fans. So I'm keeping it fairly light. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be fun. It'll be fun. It'll be fun. And then uh, real quick, we are also running and get all the details. We are running a costume contest for, for, for Fright School. Um, we've put together uh, a set of 31 movie posters and we want you to pick one and with, you know, found objects around your house, recreate it, tag us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, wherever you are. Uh, we'll have all the details and all the, uh, the, the rules, so to speak, uh, will be below in the, in the comments and you'll find it on our social media, but you know, you'll win some fun Fright School swag along with that. So that will be running until Halloween, really. So we've got about a week or so, two weeks. I don't know. I'm bad with uh, a tenuous grasp on time and dates as well in this uh, time of COVID. Uh, but that is also going on. So lots of fun stuff is happening. <laughs> right, <Yay>. Joe? <laughs> yeah, lots of fun stuff. <laughs> All right. So we will take a really quick break and then we're going to be back to do a deep dive with Satanic Panic and Chelsea. Yay! Yay! <laughs> I 
I just want to apologize. I'm sorry to everyone. I was very naive and very stupid, and I shouldn't have put other people in danger. I am so sorry for everything that has happened because in spite of what Joshua says, it's now all my fault. I insisted our listeners subscribe to Fright School on Apple Podcasts. I insisted they leave us reviews. I insisted that they give us a five-star rating. And it's all because of me that we're here now and we're being hunted. I love you, Mom and Dad. Sorry. I only wanted to make good content for our listeners. I'm so scared. I'm going to die out here. Joshua, is that you? Right, welcome back. Okay, we. This is so exciting. Um, we are going to discuss 2019 comedy horror, Satanic Panic, directed by the one and only Chelsea Stardust. Here with us today, uh, based on a written by uh, Grady Hendrix. Super fun, uh, you know, Satanist film. So, what we've been doing. Uh, this is the third episode in our Halloween series this year, talking about the devil and Satanism. We cover the omen, you know, looking at the Antichrist and sort of that Christian uh, ideology around the Antichrist and the devilish child. Uh, our last episode was on horns, which is sort of like what happens when the devil is the good guy. Uh, you know, has is is God's PR just better? <laughs> and uh, today we are talking about how you know. Uh, women get power, you know, sort of that connection of like Satanism and witchcraft, um, you know, maybe touch a little bit on, you know, the, the real satanic panic, although we are going to cover the last episode in our series is going to be on um, just spoiler alert, we summon the darkness, which will be a, a real deep dive into the satanic panic of the 80s and 90s and sort of the way Christians um, utilize uh, Satanism. Uh, but today it's going to be all about Satanic Panic again. Thank you so much, Chelsea, for coming on to chat about the movie. Uh, where do we want to start? I have like <laughs> two pages of notes. Yay! <laughs> Lots of thoughts. So, where do we want to start? Um, I guess just let's just start at the beginning briefly about like um, how the film came to be because when we talked to you on our last episode, it was coming out. It wasn't out yet, so we couldn't really right. do the whole spoilerly. Which again, spoiler alert: uh, we will spoil this movie a lot today. Um, but um, you know, we couldn't really do the deep dive. You couldn't tell us too much yet. So now this is that uh, episode uh, where we can where we can have that more deeper conversation. So how did Satanic Panic come to be? The uh, the short, uh, well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, short, short, shorter, long of it. Um, <laughs> I think the the timing of this is amazing because it's been. I think it was one. It was. It came out in September of last year, but now it's sort of like one year since the Blu-ray's been out, and it's yep. it's. You know, when the minute it's on the shelf in Walmart, 
you're done. Like you're like done. (laughs) You move on to the next thing. It's like waiting until that happens. If it does get a hard media release, it's like the DVD, the vinyl, the VHS. Okay. Done. Movies. Panic. Panic at Walmart. You can find it. (laughs) So ridiculous. Which, which we'll, we should definitely discuss, but, um, (laughs) yeah. So this came to me. So, um, basically I shot all that we destroy in January of 2018. And so I was in post-production on that and, um, Fangoria was looking for a director for Satanic Panic. Um, and I actually had read the script in like the end of 2017. Someone, just a friend sent it to me and she said, I think you would love this. And, uh, it's in, it's an insane script, but you, I know you love the writer, which was Grady Hendrix. And, um, cause I loved my best friend's exorcism horror store. We sold our souls. So I read the script. I was like, Oh my God, this is batshit crazy. I can't wait to see this made and who makes it because it it's, it reads so huge. And I said, there's so much in this script. Um, but I was like, well, good luck to whoever directs that because this has a <laughs> lot of stuff in it. Um, then cut to months later. And I think what had happened or from what I've learned, um, piece together is that basically they were looking for a director um, and they reached out to Ryan Turek, who was at Blumhouse. And I think Ryan had recommended me um, because he was overseeing all that we destroy. Um, and that was before it went to the TV department. Like once the TV department, they were like, they said, Oh, we want this for, for into the dark. And he said, you should check out her movie, you know, reach out to her. And so um, they watched destroy And they sent me the script, my agent, you know, they sent it to my agent. She sent it to me. Um, and she said, you know, this is their first original movie. Um, Grady Hendrix is the writer who's obviously very hot. And, um, you know, so I said, I actually know this script. I'm very familiar with it. And it was one of those things where I knew from knowing the script that I was like, well, this is going to be a challenge because of how big it was and how small the budget was. However, I was like, who gets to direct two movies in a year? Because <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> no, I think I got the script in, so I shot Destroy in January. I got the script in June of 2018, I want to say. I was casting in July and I was on, I was in Texas because we shot it in Texas by September. So it all happened very quickly. And um. I just basically like pitched my vision of the movie. I gave a bunch of references. I wrote them this huge email um, and I pulled a bunch of stills of like what I wanted it visually, what I wanted it to look like. And um, one of the producers of it, who's at Aperture Entertainment, so separate from Fangoria, he reps, he's what he's Grady's manager. I actually knew him from, I met him when I was in college, when I was going to film festivals and he just had done like a meet and greet with us. And I was like, oh my God, I know you. Do you remember me? He's like, well, what is this crazy coincidence? So he obviously helped push to get me the job as well. But um, yeah, it just, it just happened so fast. And I think they just really liked what I had pitched is, you know, my vision for the film. And also I think I'm the only person that they talked to that had come from horror and comedy. So I had worked mm-hmm. for Blumhouse, but then before that I had worked for Judd Apatow and Ivan Reitman. So I knew how quote unquote comedy worked in a broader sense. And had experience in horror. So I think because I kind of checked all those boxes, they were into that. Um, and then it just, it came now thinking back, it came together so quickly. Um, and I only had, let's see, 
three extra, three more days of shooting than I did for destroy. So, and I had six day weeks, which were incredibly difficult. Um, but cause I could do one day off and you have, you know, turnarounds for your cast and your crew. It's just, it's brutal. It's really brutal to shoot something like that. Um, but you know, we did it and it just, it was just so quick. Like we just, every day it was trying to get, put everything together to make this and find the locations and then having a location fall through and like all this stuff. Um, but we did it. And then, then I was simultaneously finishing both movies at once, which I do not recommend, um, <laughs> but it is possible. Um, really difficult. I, I, champagne problems. Let's, let's be real champagne problems, but yeah, that's how it came to be. <laughs> Gosh, that's so amazing to think like you only because with all that we destroy, I mean, at least watching the film. And I know we talked about this on on the episode that although it kind of appears to be like a one set place, it's really you're not, you know, you kind of did have to move. But, you know, it, it certainly wasn't set wise as grand as this. I mean, you needed several like or at least to give the illusion of several McMansions and, you know, lots of different spaces. And, you know, it's moving, you know, everybody's running from like house to house and, you know, and they all kind of had particular styles and you know so that's amazing that th- only three more days to make this film that seems humongous you know yeah with Compared tons to all of stunts yeah special and, effects and all that stuff yeah and which is very i mean a different approach because i kind of think of all that we destroyed it's very hitchcock as well you know because it is very insular and you know you're dealing with these sort of relationships and you know obviously mothers sons all you know that always kind of gives you those those hitchcock you know just one set kind of thing to this sort of grand 70s jalo 80s horror you know kind of extravaganza that's just Ooh, bonkers that you did that in in only a few more days. That's that's yeah. really incredible. That speaks to that speaks to uh, um, your, your talent certainly. Um, so um, okay, so the film you know follows uh, Sam, uh, pizza delivery person, uh, on her first day of work, and she's getting stiffed, getting fucked over, uh, getting ugly sweaters as, as a tip, and so she gets a. Um, you know, just dear listener, I know you've watched it a thousand times, but just to recap, uh, <laughs> you know, so she gets a particularly large order to a, you know, affluent part of town that's out of the delivery area, you know, so she's expecting, you know, maybe it'll make up for, uh, you know, the terrible night she's having. It does not. They stiffer as well. And she says, fuck it. I'm going to go in there and ask for the tip I deserve and stumbles across a uh, multi-level marketing meeting for Satanism and <laughs> who just so happened to virgin and uh sam could can fill the role uh so that's what the film you know in a, in a nutshell is about uh you know the basic plot so joe as always we kind of start with initial reactions even though i know we did that before but upon rewatch and you know again of, of having another year to 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 digest it what do you think where, where should we start um, well, first of all, I will say that like we watched it for the show, like we watched it for, for the first time together and then immediately did our um, review of it. And then I showed it for um, some friends and I actually did a I, I dubbed it the um, I dubbed it the Jerry O'Connell featured player. Uh, double feature and I did satanic panic and then we watched can't hardly wait right after it <laughs> because I was. Yeah, because it was so good. I was like, he's so good in this, but he's he's also like, I was like, what other movie? Because so, so I often, you know, taking our 
our lead from our friends at Horror Movie Night, I often think about double features as well. So I'm just like, what is the strangest double feature you could pair with Satanic Panic that has nothing to do with horror? I'm like, oh, <laughs> if you pick Jerry O'Connor, you can do... Um, have him as tripping Neil in um in Can't Hardly Wait. And so it was perfect. Um I have to say that like I um I mean I love I already have like a very soft spot for Rebecca Romain. And so just to see her as uh, yeah. <laughs> just to see her as uh as this like badass, you know, you know, and uh, leader of this coven of, yeah, you know, and, and again, like you can have said it better, Joshua, it was like multi-level marketing meeting, very like Tony Robbins, but like the devil, you know, the actual devil. Um, what I wanted to ask was um, the, um, w- so in, in making this and, you know, with like the, with the idea of like satanic panic, right? So like how much of, like was there were there any challenges or did you have was there any particular um did people have apprehensions because of like the satanic aspect of it in terms of like in just like in working with people on the crew or things like that um god i'm so glad we're doing this deep dive because i don't think anyone has had this sort of deep dive conversation with me about the movie yet that i can think of um like on a public platform so Okay. So, so what's funny is I know your, your next episode is, is we summon the darkness and I'm friends with one of the producers on that film. And, um, we actually talked about, I was like, listen, in a perfect world, can we swap titles? Because Mm. that movie is about satanic panic. My movie is not. So there was a lot of, I think, initial confusion just like with audiences because mine has nothing to do with that, but it is about summoning darkness, the darkness. So that was something that we would joke about. I was like, oh yeah, your movie, that's our, our titles. But Satanic Panic is like such a great title and hasn't been taken. So, um, but in terms of the, so that's a, so that's a great question about um, the Satanic. So on set, um, I pulled the, right in the early days of pre-pro, I pulled the production designer aside and the art department. And I said, listen, if you, um, and I'm sure this is like, this is definitely playing with fire literally for, for some people who really deeply believe some of this stuff. But I was mm-hmm. like, if I, I'm giving you my, my satanic blessing to bring real satanic objects on set. So that was something I wasn't afraid of. I, I liked the idea of some authenticity in there. And so, and I said, but don't tell anyone but me what those things are because I didn't want people to freak out. However, mm-hmm. in a set, everyone's gossip, gossip, chit chat, you know, so people found out and like some things were subtle, some things people picked up on. Um, but like, for example, the mirror that Rebecca, Roma- Danica um, is... Uh, making the coke lines on is a Lilith mirror. So that's like what that actually is. Um, and there's a bunch of stuff during the ritual and things like that. And throughout the house that we had. Um, so when the, some of the cast members like found out or were like hearing these murmurs of it and it was very subtle, it wasn't anything, um, too intense and in your face. They, a couple cast members put, were putting crystals in their clothing to protect them. So there were some that would crystals in a bra or in pockets or like in shoes, like whatever it was, which I was like fascinated by because never also the other thing is we were supposed, we were scheduled to shoot the finale where Baphomet is summoned on Halloween. 
So in October. Yeah. So we shot, uh, you know, we, we would have been shooting like right now. Um, and then the last, like the 31st, the first and the second were like our last three days of shooting. And just the way the schedule worked out, they scheduled that on Halloween. And I think it was like my DP had like pulled me aside and he's like, do you think that's a good idea? And you know what? <laughs> Never once did it cross my mind that it wasn't. Cause like, to be clear, I was raised with zero religion in my life. Like I haven't been to church except for a wedding or funeral. Like I, my parents did not raise me with any sort of religion whatsoever. Um, and they're like pantheists, Buddhists, you know, uh, uh, wicked, like there are a bunch of things. So <laughs> they don't adhere to any one, uh, religion. So that just never dawned on me because I, I had no reason to be scared of it for any way, shape in any way, shape or form. However, um, I heard people kind of being a crew and cast a little concerned about this. And I was just like, well, however, we ended up having to change the schedule because of rain. And we actually shot that. I think we shot that on in November. So it was like November 1st. I think the finale was the first and the second, if I remember correctly, because we, it was outside and we had to deal with rain. Also, you can see breath. It was freezing cold. Oh my God. It was so cold when we shot that. I owe those actors forever for being nude and all that stuff. But, um, you know, that, uh, and I never, I just never thought about it. I just never thought. And I said, I mean, if anything, maybe the devil's on our side. I don't know. But considering <laughs> the shitty weather we had and all that stuff, maybe not. Or maybe that was God punishing us. I don't know. But <laughs> <laughs> Did you but, shoot this? Yeah. Oh, no, sorry. Go no, on. go ahead. Does it? Uh, I was going to say, did you shoot chronologically? Um, or just happened of, to be that you did the finale at the end? Um, it, it was kind of a happy coincidence. The beginning, you have, because I always try to shoot chronologically if I can, especially with my first movie, because... Ashley has all these different incarnations just to help yeah. Aurora um, know which iteration she is. Um, I tr- anytime I can shoot chronologically, chronologically, I do. However, we started the shoot with the pizza shop stuff. Like that was right at the top. And then we ended it with the, um, yeah, I think, yeah, I think it just those, those two, the, it's bookended. The rest is not, we're piecing together things throughout, but anytime we could, we did, we did. Um, because I just, it helps, it just helps everybody. It helps the actors. It helps right. the, the crew. It's just anytime I can do it, um, I do. But uh, yeah, it just happened to be a coincidence that it was scheduled at the end. But like, it didn't happen on Halloween, so no one had to freak out. <laughs> oh my gosh, I can only imagine. Um, <laughs> so like, so like supernatural movies are like the wheelhouse of, uh, are the, or the movies that like my sister cannot watch because it's too real, like, or it, not that's too real, but it's like, it's definitely like, those are things that could happen. And, you know, believable. Yeah. Believable. I grew up Catholic. So like, you know, the devil's very much like just knocking uh, all the time. <laughs> waiting, um, waiting, waiting. And I'm like, let him in. <laughs> Please, yeah, let's, let him in. let's party. Let him in. Um, one, one thing I wanted to ask was um, the relationship between like Sam and Judy was really cool and seeing the, and seeing, um, and seeing them uh, kind of like form this bond. And, that, and that's one thing that I really loved about the film is that it's, it very much has, um, it has that like 80s, like we're two people together and it has like, you know, the, it has the Corey and the Sean, you know, the scrappy versus, um, versus someone who's playing it more straight. 
And so I really enjoyed, um, I really enjoy seeing that. Um, the one question that I had though was, uh, could you, could you, uh, at the, at the expense of saying like, uh, sounding like, you know, uh, dissecting a scene, um, can you talk a little bit about, cause my favorite scene is the scene where, um, the needles are coming out of, uh, of Judy's eyes. Can yeah. you, um, ex- talk a little bit more about what that was like that day on set, but also like a little bit more of the motivations because the, it's such a beautifully tender moment when she's like writing the counter, um, the counter spell over her body. And it's just, you're seeing her like open up truly for the first time. And we're like, you know, more than halfway through the film as well. And it's just like, Oh wow. Like I'm having this very intimate moment. And it's, that's something that like, I, um, when I was watching it with my friends, I was like, we were all kind of really wrapped because it was just so such a good moment between them. Um, so just selfishly for me, can you, can you talk about that for a little bit? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, I will like one, first I'd like to, I need to give Grady Hendrix like so much credit for this beautiful script and like things that drew me to the script were the fact that women are in power throughout the whole movie. Men men are <laughs> second class in this film from start to finish. They're like either there's no positive, there's no good male characters in this movie, but um, all the yeah, women we'll are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, all the women are um, so incredible. And again, like that's, you don't, you just don't see, you know, satanic cults or anything like completely run by women, unless it's like a coven and which they are in a sense, but they rule the roost. They run the show. And that's something that really attracted me to the project. And in terms of, so Haley and Ruby, Ruby was actually the first person cast in the movie. Um, cause I loved Happy Death Day. I'm such a huge fan of her. And so, um, you know, casting her as Judy and then Haley was quote unquote an unknown. Um, but I loved her audition so much. I was like, she's, she's our Sam. She it, that's, it's her. And so they became best friends through, they had never met before they became best friends. And that really comes through, um, in the movie, I think. And, you know, there's so much within this relationship where, like, for the first time, Judy sees someone who she actually feels like maybe she can be herself with. And also the scene on the when they're on the couch and she's sort of explaining what her parents are up to, what her mother is like, what how she grew up, which is the polar opposite of Sam. Um, you know, there's this, she's, she's, it's probably the first time she's maybe really genuinely opened up to someone and um, where Sam is like wears her heart on her sleeve. She's nothing but open all the time. Um, and you know, even when she talks about losing her virginity, even when Judy talks about it, um, she's like, you know, I had to bone this guy, but I didn't even want to because this isn't in the script, but this is what, when I read the script, I put into it and what Ruby and I kind of talked about a little bit, but I don't actually think Judy is identifies as straight. So she had to do this because she didn't, she didn't have a choice. And it's like, strictly dickly when it comes to black magic (laughs) had to put herself in a situation that she's like, well, this is not what I identify. And that's also why like the sex scene at the beginning is the most like bland she's in charge. Cause that was something when working on the movie, I told, I looked at all the scenes and I was like, women have to be in a place of power in every scene. So in the sex scene, which is all of like two seconds long, she, she's on top. Yep. She had like, She's in, and she just hops off and goes into the bathroom and fix it. Like she thinks that she was just something to get done in her mind. She's like, I have to do this to save myself. So, um, this pizza boy just happens to be convenient to her. And 
so there's like so many of these into which some it's some of it's pretty some of it's subtle some of it's a little more out there but they just have this incredible bond and so that scene which is one of my the, the, the scene of them on the couch and then the scene in the kitchen is one of my favorite scenes and is the scene that like Haley and Ruby and I really worked to worked on together. So we rehearsed that beforehand. We talked through it all. I had Grady. I only had Grady for like two days before we shot this. So we did a table read. And then I, ha- I said, can you come meet with me and the actors? Cause I want to go through all the scenes with them, with you in the room. Cause there's some things I want to make sure that in Grady's Grady's vision is being brought to life too. Like I'm kind of the vessel for all that, but I want to make sure, um, that I'm telling the right story. And he talked about, you know, Sam's, you know, her cancer, what she, what she had dealt with. And, um, and also, you know, Haley kind of opened up about some things she had dealt with personally and what made her relate to the character. So we had all of this intimacy that we talked about before we even got to set. And so in a dream world, I would have taken like days to shoot that scene because it is the, to me, that's the core of the movie. And that's what, without that scene, they can't really go on this like journey together. Like that scene is what makes them trust each other and really become one kind of, um, also from two different backgrounds and coming together and putting all of that aside. So, but I, I think I had maybe seven hours, six hours to shoot that scene. Um, something like crazy short. Um, but because we had talked about it, they, and that was a, that was a tough day on set because they're in such an emotional place and that I, they need to maintain that. But so what she's writing, so the Enochian that she's writing is, and she's writing an actual Enochian phrase. It, it looks like scribbles in the movie, but Haley actually practiced this writing. Um, and it's, uh, it's L-A-N-S-H, which is in power exalted is what it stands for. Um, and she's, you know, placed at a placed at a high powerful level and trying to break this spell. So, um, and so her telling, and that's, that is the emotional like crux of the film. And you, and even, I mean, my mom watches that scene and cries like, you know, it's that to me is this just like very magical moment that not all horror films, especially horror comedies get to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, you know, the actresses are dealing with first off the, the room is like a hundred degrees cause it's all real candles. It's so hot. And writing and all in the, we had to get something that would wipe off of if we had to reset, we had to be able to wipe it off Ruby's skin, something that wasn't toxic and then dealing with prosthetics. So dealing with, she's puking like actual worms and Oreo cookies and Hershey syrup. Like, so she's actually doing that. We had an appliance to pull the hair out and like all of the, you know, so, and the needles like doing, you know, it's, it's both um, practical and VFX to get that, you know, that look. And it was just, so intense but I think both there's been situations where both of them have cited that as being like one of their favorite days on set and um because it is so intimate and I just I let them run with it it's like they totally crushed it it was just like such a tough scene and it's so beautiful but one of the references I gave them is to start I said watch Jennifer's body because it's Jennifer Jennifer Tech and it's needy and they're come from different backgrounds and then, but they still have this friendship and um, this like, you know, the sand sandbox, you know, love in Jennifer's body. But I said, it's reversed. So they come from these separate places and then come together as like best 
friends. So, um, and of course, Jennifer's body is a huge reference for through so many things in the movie, but that specifically, I was like, you know, that was my big reference for them. Um, but I'm so glad you brought up that scene and, and them, they, you know, it's together that they're able to, to get through this journey. And, you know, I cite, um, when I talk about this, I, I talk about the similarities between wizard of Oz and this movie because it's, it's Sam going to this, you know, it's, she has this drab place she's coming from, goes to this world. So it's stepping into the color, um, and from her sort of black and white world to see things she hasn't seen before. Judy becomes her scarecrow and helps her on this journey. She's got the bunny, which is her Toto. Danica is the wicked witch of the West. Um, so that's one of the reasons like Sam has red converse because they're her ruby slippers and all she wants to do is go home. That's amazing. That's so cool. You know, I wrote Alice in Wonderland, but the Wizard of Oz is really. But that too. Yeah. Um, so I absolutely agree because that is the heart of the film and that is what makes you care about um, Judy's death. You know, yeah. if that didn't happen, if she was just kind of like catty and nasty the whole time, like it really would. I mean, you'd care because obviously Sam cares and wants her to survive. But without that like connection. But I think that that scene, that's where all of the themes of the movie really come together. They clash because you have like um, Gypsy saying fascists get things done. And then you have this beautiful scene where these two people from very different class backgrounds, which this film has a lot of class conversation happening. Um, you know, they were like, we have to work together against this, you know, poor rich and poor have to work together to fix society. Women have to bond together to fix to not to fix, but to, um, you know, stand against the, the danger, the oppressiveness of the patriarchy. Working class people need to stand together against capitalism and against, you know, this oppressiveness of it, you know, so there's just all, all of these different intersecting things all come together in, in the, in that beautiful like scene um, and make, I feel make the film really work, you know, and it needs, it needed that heart. So it wasn't pure camp. It wasn't pure horror. It wasn't, you know, it's, it's just coming together to make this kind of really lovely comment on, on class consciousness on, on women needing women, um, you know, in, in these, in these really terrible moments. Um, so I, I just, yeah, it's a really, I mean, lots <laughs> written down lots no, of yeah. those no, beautiful moments between them. Yeah. And I, and something interesting in the script. Um, so it's gypsy, you know, casting the spell, um, Sam and Judy trying to beat the spell. And then also, um, the scene with Duncan and Danica where he pukes his guts, those are actually all intercut in the script. So they're all happening simultaneously. And we, when we cut this script or when we cut this, the, the scenes together, all of a sudden my editor and I were like, I, why isn't this working? Because we cut it, we were cutting it as we were, as we were following the script. And then we realized this stuff with Duncan is so tonally different because mm. it's AJ Bowen and he's being funny and he's, you know, and Rebecca's attitude towards it because she's just using him for his guts. And so we're like, what if we just take that scene and put it after this is all done? Like after the ritual, um, we put the scene with Duncan and Danica. And the minute we did that, we're like, oh, now, of course, yeah. because you're in this beautiful emotional moment. And then that was just unraveling it and it wasn't working. So these are the fun little things you find in editorial where you're like, oh, no, this is how it's, we should do, you know, so those, those are fun things that you discover in, in post when you're shooting and you're, sh and when you're shooting it, you're shooting it all together. But also I was making notations of like, okay, well then the Duncan scene supposed to be intercut in here. So keeping that in mind. And then when we shot it, we're like, oh no, we don't, that doesn't belong in here. Like it's not till it's just the fun things you find in editorial. 
Yeah, that's cool. I was going to ask how, you know, how much it changed from page to, you know, screen, you know, if there was much change. Um, so that's it's, interesting. The editorial yeah. choices. It's pretty neat. There's only like one or two things. There's only a couple scenes. There's like the pizza stuff at the beginning, the scenes with um, Mike Winfield and AJ and Skeeta. Those were, there was, I think, one more scene or two more scenes that didn't make it in also because like she's at mill basin within the first 15 minutes of the movie. Right. Yeah. So it was one of those things where I was like, I want pacing is so important. And at the same time, you need to be on board with her and you have 15 minutes to establish who this person is. And before we're at mill basin. And then we ultimately were like, well, do we can't, do we see who she is? We do. So we can take her in onto this journey. But that was the thing is like, you know, how much do you need to let your audience know? And you do need to make sure they're on board with this character that they're about to go on this journey with. And it was that there was like a couple things for t- like pace. If they didn't fit in the pacing or t- t- for in the time didn't quite fit. And, you know, there's only like one other scene that didn't make it in because we just ran out of time to shoot it. And mm-hmm. it, we're like, do we need it? Do we not need it? okay, no, we don't need it. Cause you kind of don't figure that stuff out when you're shooting. You're like, okay, let's really analyze everything. Right. Um, but, uh, at the end of the day, it's like, you're the only person besides like the writer that knows your audience has no idea. So it's like, um, but, but ultimately it's like, we had to make sure all the big moments were in there. Um, but yeah. And that's, and like you were saying, I think because of that scene, and I think Judy's death kind of comes as a surprise. I don't think people really knew that was going to happen because um, you want her to, to get out of this situation so badly, but you're sympathetic because of that journey they've been on. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, I mean, and, and I love like um, Ruby Modine. Is that how you yeah. say it? Yeah, yeah. Um, Judy, she's like the part of the movie, like, and I, every time I, I watch it, I think of Jawbreaker, I think of Heathers, I think of Clueless, yeah. like just that you know, that snappy, just great witty dialogue. So it's like, you love that about her. Um, so she's obviously providing this sort of dark humor um, aspect, but so it's kind of a surprise, like how deep that they, you know, they become. Um, and then you really do care about her in the end. So it's, it's just all of that. Yes. Yeah, so that it just works really, really well. Um, and I think that you're smart to kind of, it was smart to get it going. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. To kind of like, again, and that reminds me of a lot of those sort of, you know, movies that it's like zero to 60. <laughs> we are like, yeah, here's this character. We love her already. And now she's in peril. So it's like, it's, it's, it does it. it the pacing is really nice. So I love an 86 minute runtime. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it moves and that, and that really works for it. It's just, it's super, you know, it just adds to the whole experience of it. Um, so, <laughs> so let's talk about the awful men here. Um, so first of all, the whole, like there was something going around um, Facebook or social media, you know, this meme that I think really applies to this uh, movie it, it, to a certain extent and, um, And this is something that men and women both hold up in our culture. You know, the idea that um, men, men's penises are so fucking important and powerful that they literally change a woman. They change her, Um, (laughs) which is fucking gross and insane. And, you know, the patriarchy of it all, Um, you know, but that, you know, the, the meme went around. I thought that's so hilarious because that's exactly it. Like Jerry, that whole. First yes. of all, in those boring ass white tidy whitey <laughs> underwear, I just think it's brilliant. It's like here is just a typical man, 
you know, and like, I, I have to change you. We have to do this right now so that like, I will save you with my penis. Um, and <laughs> I yep. that's fucking hilarious. And then screaming, I'm a feminist, which gets right at the heart of, bo- of both him and um, Duncan, who's like, mm-hmm. you're just uncomfortable with my authority. Like that, like everything out of his mouth is so gross. And we all know these guys who are like, oh no, I'm a feminist. I love women. I respect women. Uh, so fuck me. You know, it's yeah. like, uh, it's just so like, yeah. And you have it on. And what I love is like, you have Duncan who's clearly working class and Jerry who is I, I, so, okay. I, I do want to talk a little bit about this in a moment. Sorry to get like with the QAnon thing, which is like, Oh, the Democrats, this is the liberal thing that they are this satanic group of like pedophiles. <laughs> so I'm wondering about the politics of these people. Cause he, he goes out of his way to say, I'm a feminist, which makes me think, that these are probably liberal-minded people who are hunting this poor girl <laughs> to sacrifice to Satan. I'm curious about that really quickly. If, yeah. You know, you um, see, if you saw them that yeah. way, or if they're all like Republicans. <laughs> well, I think, yeah, right. Um, well, absolutely. Like, pretty much every man in this is toxic. Like, right. maybe aside from like Skeeta, who's just trying to run his business, his pizza shop. and But Duncan is just this like, Fuck it. I listen to I listen to books on tape. Like this is why I'm so cool. And even though she's like, no, thank you, he just keeps fucking pushing her, which yeah. it's like <laughs> I've experienced so much. But um and she and again deals with what we as women deal with all the time of the honestly, we just want to say, fuck off, please leave me alone, or or just please leave me alone. But that reaction that we get back is always like, well, fuck you, you fucking bitch. Like what, like right. just cannot handle, a lot of men can't handle rejection. So the fact that she's just trying to get out of this situation, it's like, well, if I'm just nice, I can get out. She's just trying to navigate her way out. Yeah. Um, and it's just like, why am I dealing? And like, why well, I got you this job. So don't you owe me something for that? Like this mm-hmm. fucking, this entitlement that he has. Mm-hmm. So with Mill, the Mill Basin folk, um, so even like, so it's Samuel and also Gary, who just like, all of this is Gary's fault. If he just would have tipped her, like if Gypsy's husband just would have tipped her, we wouldn't be in this situation. <laughs> but he didn't. And, and she's just like, are you kidding me? So. I sort of, it's, it's kind of a little bit of both. It's that, um, pride that people like to say, like the, well, I'm a feminist. So, but everything he's, it's like, <laughs> just makes you shake your head. You're like, oh my God, everything he's saying is so, is wrong. Right. And yes, the idea of like, um, well, if I just, if we just have sex, I'll, you won't have to worry about this anymore. And she's like, are you kidding me right now? Like what? Um, and it's, I think they're well, also they're, you know, upper class, very, very wealthy. This, we also shot in one of the wealthiest neighborhoods in Dallas. Um, and I think it's a little mix of, oh, well, we're forward thinking, um, I, liberal conservatives, I will say like, oh, we're feminists, but you know, we're going to vote Republican because they'll protect our money and our uh, taxes. Cause yeah. they're, cause it's all about money and it's all about our tax. We don't want to have to pay these, we need the tax breaks. So it's sort of like a mix of, of, oh, but we're, you know, liberal minded, we got to protect our money. So it's sort of that like thing you see all the time of like, oh, well, of course I'm, I'm a feminist and this and that, but I I have to check the Republican box because I have to think about my, (laughs) my money. So, cause uh, we're so uh, obsessed with money and consumerism and and all of that. So, um, but yeah, it's a little splash of both. Um, but 
Jerry's just, yeah, look what you made me do. I'm a feminist. And that gets a laugh, of course. And just showing up. And, and also like the fact that he's like in his tidy whities like, hey, look, look at my dad bod. You know what I mean? Right. And Jerry kind of looks great. But he's oh, very much totally. that like. Oh, I was like, you know. ooh, he's. <laughs> <laughs> he still looks he's still looking good and it's just completely but no arousal because of those awful um awful underwear oh not um, sexy well i will say, i will say that like he so i only had him i only got one day with him though he was on set um he like showed up on halloween and because rebecca was there so they they were both there together um for most of the shoot but we did that that his scene i only had one day um to do and uh he was, he was so wonderful to work with and he was on, you know, he just hung out on set on that for that scene the whole time. Like most of the time they'll go back to their, we didn't have trailers, but go back to their rooms or the dressing room or wherever. And he just hung out with us. And so like my, um, Sam Weinman, who I love and adore was, uh, he came and was my assistant on set. And so I, he's, he was like a stand in for a lot of stuff. Be like, Sam, will you stand here so we can like, so he, I remember him standing there or maybe he was laying on the, doing something for one of the scenes or one of the shots. And, um, Jerry was like, Oh, is he, is he posing for, is he standing in for me? And we're like, yeah. And he's like, Oh, I can stand in for myself. Said no actor ever. (laughs) But like, Oh, we're like, okay, sure. And so, and he just hung out on the couch and talk, he and Haley talked a bunch. And I remember I had a moment while they were lighting something and I said, can I just talk to you about Wes Craven? Can I, can we talk about Scream and, you know, uh, I think Scream 2. And I said, can we just, what was Wes like? And he said, he was, and so I just wanted a moment to like talk to him about, he's like, oh my God, Wes was one of the nicest humans and so kind. And I loved doing that movie. And so that, that's the only real chance we got to talk. And, um, but the scene, so when he comes up to her and licks her cheek, mm-hmm. they came up with that. I did not know they were going to do that. So they talked about it. And he's like, can I, can I, like, they worked it out. And then I heard them say, like, okay, we're going to do the thing. And I was like, oh, no, what, what is happening? We don't have time for whatever thing you're planning. And then it, and then it was that. And I was like, oh, that, that's in the movie. That has to be in the movie. <laughs> it was so, so those good. like, yeah. So those little things that, um, and just he just made, that was so fun to shoot. And obviously like he had to wear a ton of prosthetics and for the gunshot and um, like, I don't even like guns, you know, like that. Kind of, <laughs> yeah. And so many of my liberal friends own guns. So it's like, even though they're like, no, like I don't like guns, but I own a, it's like, okay guys, like we can talk. It's okay. If you own a gun, that's okay. We just need better gun laws. Like it's fine. <laughs> so, you know, it's really, uh, it's really, but you know, and doing the, and of course the, 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 throat fucking that oh <laughs> my gosh it's and so watching good. them work together like that was so fun like seeing that and just them doing that kind of stuff together and so he was such a he, he probably had besides like what Haley and ruby kind of had to go through he had the kind of most to prosthetics and things oh, yeah. um and was such a champ about it so that's awesome so, yeah toxic masculinity everywhere yes <laughs> Well, yeah, I, yeah. on the on the class thing, I was like the whole time, like you you're seeing all of these, like you know, the upper crusts of mill of a mill basin. I'm looking at them, and I'm like, these people also belong at um, um at the Armitage Garden Party, you know, like because <laughs> it's just like these. It's the same kind of thing, and yeah. and that's like one of my favorite scenes. Um, in get out as well is like all of the microaggressions that are happening there. And I think that that's, and they think they're being complimentary. Exactly. 
Yeah. yeah. They think it's, they're being complimentary. Whereas in this one, it's like they are among themselves. They still feel like they have to kind of police each other about who is a feminist, who is more liberal, that sort of thing. So it's like yeah. the hunt in that way too, you know, where it's mm-hmm. like, we're going to murder these people, but you know, do not say black it's African-American, you know, it's yeah. like, it's just like <laughs> hilarious, you know, that kind of thing. And, and what I love again, of talking about like the class differences and talking about class in general is that, you know, if you take away, if you just step back and look at the film, you know, on that sort of level, like, aren't we all fucking human sacrifices to the almighty dollar? You know what I mean? Like it, the whole world is, 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 you know, the two, the wealthy go the spoils, you know, I mean, this thing, this is a total, you know, the affluenza, like the way people think is like, we at, we are rich and wealthy. We have dominion over everyone else. We have the right to do whatever we want to do. Um, you know, the way with everything. Not, right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. As long as we're not like maliciously racist, uh, you know, as long as we're, and it's just, you know, because the optics, the optics of it, um, yeah. it doesn't look good. So it, it's just, you know, I, I just, I, that was one of the first things I wrote down when I was just thinking about like, you know, Satanism and, you know, sacrifices. It's just like we all like every single day here, uh, you know, we, we engage in, you know, real world horrors. Um, we have yet to do the movie martyrs. Um, just oh, yeah. it's, it's really, it's a hard watch, but there is something about like what that film, because of the violence and this, this ultra, ultra violence while we all kind of sit in suburbia, you know, mm-hmm. um, with our phones and all of our things that are kind of results of, 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 of the, I mean, this is just, you know, the facts of what we have to look at, you know, and, and, and admit about, you know, comfort is upheld by a lot of struggle. Um, yeah. And, and so I just think this movie kind of also speaks to that, and, you know, yes, in a very comedic, fun, you know, hilarious way, but, it, but it's, you know, um, I don't know. I just think that it's just, <laughs> there's so much deep conversation yeah. happening. And also, you know, talking about the, the money at like, you know, so, so I actually, another, I don't talk about this reference that much. Um, but it is a big reference is they live. So the idea that this is your God, this, the money is their God. And so, but they, of course, as, and this is, and Grady, like, he's so great. Like I give a lot of the reason this works is like a horror comedy to him because it's his writing. And then these incredible actors who bring that to life. And, but, you know, talking about, yeah, these, these Satanists or they're Satanists, but they're, they're using, they're trying to use this power for their wealth. Like that, right. that's what it is at the end of the day. So it's like, that's what they're using it for and doing this like Ted talk and you know what this is and get out's like another great reference too. Like, so, uh, re- like so accurate. <laughs> yeah, no, that is so brilliant. Just all of that, all of those like things that we see on Facebook every day of like, don't you want to change your life? Don't you want to be better? Don't you want to have everything? <laughs> Hail Satan. I mean, yeah, yeah. commit yourself to well, what Satan. I, what I also love, though, is like in the end, you know, we find out in the end that kind of they're going for like a lower level prince of hell. Like it's not even, it's not Satan. It's they not They don't even Lucifer. know what they're doing. Yeah, yeah. It's like Baphomet. And then this other demon shows up. It's like, fuck him. Like, worship me, you know? And yeah. so like that whole thing, I just, like, 
the pursuit of something that will destroy you. You know, the more we pursue money and capital and re- and the more we eat up all these resources, the worse life is going to get. Maybe not for everybody because you're going to be dead, you know, in another 20 or 30 years or, you know, these uh, these these old super old rich white guys who are making all these horrible decisions, they're going to be dead. What do they care? They're living in the lap of luxury. Everybody else yeah. will suffer. It, it's just, I don't know. There's just something really comical in the end about like, you fuckers don't, oh my God, you're you not even also, doing this. Like, <laughs> yeah. And you can't take it with you. Right. You mm-hmm. can't take it with you. All this like wealth obsession for what? Like you can't mm-hmm. take it. We all, we all end up in the same place. So it's like, so that's, you know, and Sam, so bring, so bring up Sam Zell, who's like, gives this speech about they're They don't even know what they're doing. They're yeah. like, there's, you know, she's like I, that they're worship, worshiping Baphomet, but I'm more powerful than he is. And it's also coming out of this, like, you know, um, 12 year old girl who <laughs> again, funny. another thing showing that like the women have the power and yeah you know, if there, how you can underestimate a, this, this child basically, who is just here. She's here for it. She's watching it. She's loving it. She's like, Oh my God, these fools, these, these mortals. <laughs> <laughs> no, totally. Yeah. You, you get away with a lot in this movie too. Cause like, you know, you have Jerry full on punch Sam, you know, while screaming yeah. he's a feminist and trying to rape her. And then you have Sam punch a child, which is just yep. like, <laughs> Oh, that was oh, yeah. everything with the babysitters, like yeah. all of that was like the best. And that, and that was the part where I was like, okay, we are like fully in like comedy. Like we are fully in this, like, it, this is the part where like you show this at a, like you've said it before, you show this at a slumber party, you show this like with your friends. And this is the part where everybody is dying. Um, and I know that's how I was with, with me. And then just like the, the kooky death with the electricity and all that stuff. It's just, it, it's so good. But like punching a kid, I was like, oh my God. <laughs> I remember when we watched it, Joshua, and and she punched that kid. I was like, oh, this is the best. <laughs> yeah, all of us were like, yes, hit him again. <laughs> yeah, and it's just so, they, the kids were great. Um, uh, Ranger and Jonas, they were awesome. And also, you know, working with Hannah was really fun. And I know Whitney Moore. So that shooting, all those scenes were really fun. Um, and you know, the, the, even when we shot that, I knew I was like, Oh my God, people are going to lose their minds at this. And of course they did. And then Sam's reaction of like, I'm sorry. Like she didn't have a choice. She had to defend herself. And (laughs) that actually reminded me of, so there was another thing. Um, when I was talking about some of the things keeping in mind that women always have to be in a place of power in the movie originally in the script and like the early, early iteration of it. Um, so it's, uh, um, uh, Kristen and Michelle, the, the, the two sisters originally it was Kristen and then a boyfriend and the boyfriend mm. is the one wearing the kildo. Um, and I was like, cause you know, they were babysitting these kids and, you know, you bring your boyfriend over or whatever. And I said, you know, um, I've seen this kind of thing before, like in a more serious note, like seven, I've like, I I've right. seen the guy where, you know, do it. I've kind of, I've seen this. And I said, you know, we never get to see women wear strap-ons in any way, shape or form. And I was like, we never get to see that. And, and I said, also, then you're putting a man in a place of power where he's the one that's going to kill Judy in this super horrible way. Um, and so I was like, 
I don't know. I, I said that that was a scene that kind of stuck out. And of course, when I like talked to Grady about it, he's like, oh yeah, totally. You're right. Like <laughs> he didn't even like think twice about it, but I'm, but it was something where I was like, I, if this is going to, if you're going to hint towards what is supposed to happen, I said in every scene, the women rule this, this world that they're in. Mm-hmm. So whether they're good or evil. And I, and I was like, I think, I think we need to change this. And then we found sisters to be sort of these, like, um, like think, think if it was like the Grady twins or the twins grown up, like from the right. shining, yeah. you know? Um, and, uh, or they're not twins, but they're the, the Grady daughters. I'm someone will call me out for saying they were twins, <laughs> the daughters, um, in the shining, uh, kind of grown up and like what weird fucked up things they would do. And so that's why I was like, what, it, this would be so weird and bizarre if we had it be sisters or, you know, change that up a little bit. And I think it plays even better that it's, and, and then of course the struggle that they have and, you know, one sister accidentally killing the other. And there's this moment of like <laughs> sort of turn of the screw, like mourning between them, like turn the screw, like in more ways than one, but um, <laughs> uh, yeah, but that, uh, yeah. That, so that was another scene where I, I was just trying to be really conscious of that all along, all throughout the story. Um, and where the power was coming from. And even to the point where our Baphomet is played by a woman. It's a woman in a suit. That's, that's, oh, that's very cool. That. Yeah. So there's just like a bunch of stuff. Anyways. Yeah. No, that's awesome. Cause that is, that is the other kind of big thing that this talks about. And anytime you have like Satanism or witchcraft, I'm not sure how much you consider this to be like a witch film, but they mentioned being a coven. A lot of times that's how that reads that witches get their power from Satan or, you know, some infernal source, uh, you know, so that's a big, um, you know, there's always kind of a connection, these sorts of films, like how do women get power? Um, how are women empowered to, you know, like with Sam to ask for something that, you know, she obviously they feel is okay to deny her, yeah. um, you know, Danica, like whatever it is that she's pursuing. Cause obviously at the end of the movie, we see that he's reading the society page. It's got her on it. Like what's her secret and all this stuff like, Oh, it's the devil. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. a human sacrifice. Uh, just look <laughs> right. under the eyes at night, uh, <laughs> you know. So it's like, yeah, the movie. I think you do a good job of of, of exploring that ter- within all of this, like discussing, you know, like the, the the weakness of the various male characters and their shortcomings within, you know, the things that women are constantly against every single day that like men we don't even think about, you know. And people might watch that those scenes and 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 you know, hopefully, people that listen to this will not think that way, but might not see the problem. Mm-hmm in the same way, you know, that yeah. women will be like, oh, that's fucking familiar. <laughs> uh, yeah, like, mm, I see that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's like, you know, that is obvious. But that I feel is like that overriding, like, you know, we're talking about class consciousness and talking about, you know, like, Q, like I brought up earlier, like QAnon, uh, you know, the um, conspiracies, you know, around the wealthy and, you know, yeah. the minded elite and, you know, um, but also like, um, what was that like urbanoia suburbanoia like the, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. the suburbs yeah. of this dangerous kind of place where these satanists are you know having these rituals and you know your favorite soccer mom is you know murdering other children <laughs> yeah so it's just uh, you know all together just makes for just such a really deep film that's really fun you know which is yeah, i think that's really, really fun difficult yeah. to do <laughs> Um, and, that's, and that's the thing. I wanted to make something fun. At the end of the day, we, you know, there's a, there's a lot of 
you know, things going on, but something that was fun, but that you could also kind of do a deep dive into and see, oh, there's like a lot of layers to this. But, and then even at the end of the day, when she like is able to escape and decides to pursue her dream and like, I'm going to go to Australia, like I'm doing, doing this thing and had to kind of go through this, um, transformation of sorts, but without that, that sort of what pushed her along to sort of do the next thing, do go pursue the next step of her life and then take Judy Jr. with her. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So Chelsea, you, we had talked a little bit before we, before we started recording about the festival circuit and, 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 you know, for those listening, the festivals were these live events where people could gather uh, more, more than 10 at a time. Um, and so you had mentioned that you um were watching your film like you unlike unlike some other directors or what most people think of you know the uh when the auteur can never sit through the work you know but you're watching you're watching your film and and listening to what jokes land what jokes uh what jokes uh, are missed or what have you or what you're only laughing at could i ask you if you could reveal what is a what's a place where people were laughing where you didn't think like you were surprised by or like is there a moment that that was like most surprising that you like oh and then like then you started to see that that moment and then what's a place that like that is just purely for you like that's purely a moment that makes you um that just gives you giggles and people laugh people don't but it's just just for you oh that's a great question um yeah it's uh there's a couple things so yeah I watched so I didn't have the luxury of doing a test screening for the movie um we just didn't have the budget frankly for it and so what I did is I brought I did two different screenings and I private screenings with a group of like 10 to 15 friends so they came to editorial I screened the movie and then I had a bunch of questions that I asked them because I wanted to see what was working and they were all film you know directors writers producers actors um editors you know brought in a bunch of folks and watched the movie and then I asked them questions like and then that was sort of to help me determine what was working and what wasn't working in terms of jokes and things like that and the emotional core of the film and it was really interesting to see what what they loved in the movie and what they really responded to and was so helpful. So I think like even if you don't have a budget to do a real proper test screening, which sometimes test screenings are great and sometimes they're not because I think it gives the studio a reason to change something that maybe shouldn't be changed. And they use, and the, it, there, there's a lot of, that's a whole other podcast, but yeah. about the benefits and then not benefits of test screening. But um so that was really helpful. And then when it came to, so I would, and I, sometimes I showed the same, I'd change the movie and then show the same group of people just to see if things were working. And, and so it was so helpful. So if you don't have the budget, I highly recommend just bring in, I call it my like think tank, bring, bring a few people that you trust in. And I even throw a couple people in the mix that don't make movies because I think it's helpful to get an outside perspective or maybe didn't like horror movies. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe so, we're yeah. liked comedies more or whatever. And so um, cause of course, like if someone likes a horror movie, they may like it regardless. So, um, bringing in someone that maybe horror is not their number one genre. So then in the festival circuit, you know, it was, honestly, it was kind of different depending on where I was and like what was landing. I think, you know, there are a couple of things that like AJ Bowen says that are 
for, for me, I guess I'll say that I find really fucking funny um, that are a little subtle. So it's something that you'd maybe upon rewatch, you might catch. Cause there's a lot of stuff that he says or does like the scene, the gut scene. I just like lose my mind over that. And even when like, for me, the one thing that I laugh at every time is when he snorts the Coke and then coughs. That's just like, Every time that gets me, it's so stupid, <laughs> but it gets me every time as like little and subtle as that is my, my, mine's sort of the smaller, more subtle, um, uh, jokes in there that you might not catch. And of course there's like little nods. I have like the paper that he's, that Skeeta's reading at the end, um, is society, which is a nod to Brian Usna's film society, which this is like, is also a huge huge inspiration <laughs> that's a huge inspiration for satanic panic for me so there's like those little things throughout and um i'm trying to think if there's anything oh also the stuff with um jeff daniel phillips and jordan ladd when they're like coming down the stairs after they've realized that their kids have been that the girls have been murdered and you know <laughs> he's saying like they're like crying and they're like why did I do that? Like, why did we give this girl to them? Like that moment is so weird between them. Yeah. And I love it every time. That was sort of the, something that I noticed that some, it would land with some audiences, but not all the audiences. But then, then like Danica or Arden would say something that would get a laugh. So it was just different depending on where I was, like what festival I was at. And then there's stuff that can, like the kid getting punched always got a laugh. Like there's stuff that was so consistent and also, like, horror is dif- difficult enough, but when you throw comedy in the mix, horror and comedies are so tough, and they just don't always work. But when they do work, it's, like, golden. And I see those moments, like, the moments when they really work throughout Satanic Panic, and then watching it with an audience and seeing them react is so funny. And, of course, like, the Kildo, uh, people I don't think don't know what to think of that scene, so it takes <laughs> them a minute to, like, what they're like what is happening um and the the electrocution always gets a laugh too but there are a lot of times that scene is like a little polarizing because people don't know how to react um at first they're like what i'm weirded out by this but it's also really funny so um, it implies such violence you know and such um graphic uh, you know, because it's one of those things where it's like you see that and then you think you see her use it, you know, or something like it just gives you, you the image immediately of what that could do to a human body yeah. um, on this like teenage girl with like blonde hair and like a, just a T-shirt. Like, you know what I mean? She's just so yeah. ordinary looking with this really extra, what they call it, an HR Giger, you know. Love stick. Yeah, love stick. <laughs> I thought it was brilliant. I wrote Drildo, Kildo. Kildo, um, yeah. You know, it's like, it's just such a, like the juxtaposition of it. It's just so fucking bizarre. Yeah. And alludes to such horrifying violence, you know, like you said yeah. with uh, uh, Seven, you know, when you get to that, because you don't see it happen. You no, just, ha- just have photograph. to see the device and like, yeah. oh my God, like the idea of what it could do on just such an unassuming person. <laughs> so disturbing. And then there's like, there's little things like, um, uh, Judy, when she does the big monologue, uh, with, uh, to Sam and that always gets a, a laugh. Cause also yeah. it's, it's such a mouthful. Yeah. And there, the other moment I love is when they're in the kitchen together and, you know, Judy gets the gun and also it says Holland oats, like on the, on the, box of oats that she pulls the gun out of so there's like weird little things throughout um that i'm like some people you'll hear people laugh if they recognize it or i'll hear people like whisper oh hollow notes um (laughs) 
because rich girl. Um, but, uh, That's brilliant. <laughs> um, but that moment, you know, um, there she's, you know, she's like, you're a blue collar badass who just won't quit. Right. Um, and I'm a spoiled girl with a gun like that. That moment is one of my favorite moments, just as quick as that scene is that I love yeah. so much. Um, but yeah, I love, and that's one of the things I love hearing what people's favorite scenes are or moments they love. Um, and that was so helpful on the festival circuit to sort of see like, oh, that totally worked or weird that like slayed with this audience, but that audience didn't laugh at this part at all. Like, it's just really, it also depends on what time it screens, yeah. what else it's screening with. Like there's so many different, there's so many factors. Um, yeah. but one of the best screenings I had was I paired this with house of the devil I think this had the Ty West movie, which was the first thing I ever saw AJ Bowen in. So I love that he had a, we did a double feature of, of the two and that he has was like the crossover. Um, but there are so many similarities between the two. They're like different sides of the same coins. Like the lead character is Sam. She orders a pizza. She's dealing <laughs> in this beautiful house. You know, she's dealing with Satanists. Like they, you know, want to impregnate her like all there's so many things and so i love that satanic panic's like the horror comedy version of (laughs) the devil no that's yeah that's a great connection that's brilliant but i i do think yeah i would recommend pairing the two together like i i think that's but yeah that's a that's a great question i about you know the the what what's working what's not working and what you find in editorial and manipulating Mm -hmm. stuff and trying different versions of a joke or timing the edicts comedy so much about timing yeah like, and like horror series. they're both about timing yeah. yeah wow oh my gosh <laughs> this is so awesome i'm so glad because this like conversation is like a year in the making like for real because i remember when we had you on and we were talking about it and it's like yeah. and then we saw it and we're like oh my gosh we have to have her on just to discuss you know and there's just there's i mean it's just it's just a lot of fun. You know, there's just no other way to put it. It's just super fun watch. And for us, you know, so much material to mine, you know, there's so much. And again, in the year of like me too, and now we're living in this very strange political time. And, you know, every time you turn around, somebody that you think you can trust has done something really horrible or said something, you're like, what? (laughs) So this (laughs) <laughs> so in this time it's just even it's just so much it's even more relevant you know to just the insanity of the rich <laughs> yeah <laughs> and what we are up against is as working class people um every day while, while we're making you know busy making enemies of ourselves so um i don't know chelsea this it's just so much fun um Thank you. I, 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 in re-listening to our original uh, review of it, all of us were like, "This needs to be a series." Like, uh, you know what I mean? It's like we wanted, you know, it's like there's just so much more territory to explore. I feel with her, and um, and yeah, maybe that's okay that you know that it goes on, and and we don't know what happens, of course, because then we can make that up. But it's just it's so much fun. The world that it yes. is super fun and gorgeous and weird and you know and I think this time in rewatching it I looked a lot at the backgrounds you know and there were just weird oh, yeah. like, paintings on the walls or just weird stuff that I'm like oh this is so cool you know like just the it was just such a well-built world for a small budget and again only how many days I mean relatively yeah. speaking small budget right well yeah yes it was very small <laughs> but yeah. um and 18 days and, 18 and that's days. the thing is like <sighs> with shooting in in Texas that kind of 
despite the low budget that got us these incredible locations that we would not have been able to afford because, you know, there was like friends and crew and things like that, that that, where those houses were. Um, But like the main house that Danica lives in, it had an, um, it had a water park in the backyard, like that, that they, the homeowners had made and it had a separate building that was a full size um, basketball court and they had bowling, (laughs) a bowling alley and like, and I come from like lower middle class, a lower middle class family. And so seeing that stuff, I was like, this is just insane. Yeah. Um, the water park was incredible. And there were also like, like skeletons in this little, cause we explored that. Of course, um, it's too cold to swim, but we were like creeping around and what's well, too cold to swim It's heated. But anyways, um, totally creeping <laughs> and checking everything out and is just incredible to like see how the other half lives. And all those paintings were actually production design brought those in because there were tons of paintings on the wall that we could obviously not clear, but they brought all those in and they're all like, I, you know, hand, you know, they said, here's what we have. And I said, I want this, I want this, I want this. And they all fit with the theme. They were like, yeah, so no, totally. Yeah. But production design is something ominous, you know, like in the background, especially when the, with the uh, babysitter, the whole, that whole thing, because there's just like, I don't know, just some of the stuff in the background and, you know, I'm just like, Hmm, you know, you kind of immediately don't trust the situation. Yeah. Um, you know, once she cut, gets in the house, I mean, obviously, as, as you realize, this is kind of a conspiracy amongst this whole like neighborhood, really, this cabal. Um, but, totally. Uh, there's just like and little things that you're like, hmm, that's a little off. <laughs> right. Like, this is what's going on here. But um, and even like the, the photographs like that she's looking at and yeah. like Arden's family. <laughs> And then all of a sudden there's one child instead of two, yeah. like one clearly got sacrificed for the, for the coven. So, um, and I also have to give like Wolfman of Mars a lot of credit for their score because yes. scoring horror comedy is, is difficult as well. Um, but, and we, we barely had a, enough, like, again, low budget movie, but they just totally, um, absolutely crushed it and did such a great job and um i'm so glad we got to do a vinyl release that burning witches was able to do that but um working with them was such a delight and they just totally helped elevate the movie to sort of the next level and again like i uh i can't wait to work with them again hopefully um but they were the best but i have to you know it's tricky with that with that kind of when you're you know mixing genres together um but I owe them a lot for that. <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. The, the music is great and, uh, you know, well, well positioned in the film. So, uh, oh my gosh. Joe, any, any other, uh, any last minute thoughts? I actually think we got through like almost all the notes that I had. Um, outside of, like I said, some of the homages I saw, I felt like Evil Dead, Elvira, yep. Mary's Baby. Like there were just, you know, those kinds of things that I'm like, oh, if you love those movies, you're going to love this. Uh, yeah. Sorry, I asked Joe a question and then talked over him. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what else is new? Um, <laughs> I, I, I do love this film. I think it's just so much fun. And it's one of those, like, because, we, you know, with the show, with this, our podcast, like, people always ask me, what are your top favorite films? And I always go back to, I always go back to, like, horror comedies. I'm, I'm very, it's very hard pressed for me to like, like, a true, like, very dark horror Um 
because I always think about what would I want to watch again? What would I want to watch again? And, you know, I'm not trying to watch inside another time, you know, <laughs> I'm not trying to watch, um, we haven't done it, but like, I always say, um, I was like, I'm not trying to watch irreversible, like, you know, like twice, yeah. um, in a lifetime. And so we, so I always think like, well, like, I mean, I'm, I would love to like watch, I like, I'll watch cooties again. I'll watch satanic panic. I'll watch Jennifer's body. I'll watch these things that are just, you know, they, they get the horror across, but they're all also um they're also just so much fun and that's what i love about this film i think that you know i think that your wish for for satanic panic to be that you know to be the young horror fans like summer party movie or this is the first movie that people will see i think that's very much in the cards and is very much going to come true yeah, absolutely. I, I hope so. That's that was when I was watching it, that was sort of the goal where I was like, what what were my sort of teenage gateway horror movies? And the other thing that really um resonated with me was when I was doing the festival circuit and I would have it resonate this movie resonates with a lot of women, obviously, but um I had you know, I would do I would be signing the posters or DVDs or whatever it was, and I had a lot of people come up to me and say you know, I don't really like horror, but I loved this and it made me want, it makes me want to watch more movies like this. Mm. And that was like the best thing I could hear where if, if someone who isn't maybe super into the genre or even familiar with the genre sees this and is like, oh, well, if horror can, if this, if horror can be like this, where there's right. levity to it and fun. And I was like, well, let me give you a list of ones to watch. If you, if you like this, you'll also like um, you know, Chelsea Stardust recommendations. Um, but that to me was really lovely to hear. And, um, so that way it could kind of, it had a little broader reach and also in casting terms, like because Rebecca is in it and Jerry is in it, it had an even wider reach. Um, but yeah, that's, that's the goal for me is I was like, if a, you know, 14 year old kid, um, rents this movie for, at their slumber party and watches it and they, they love it and seek out more movies like this. Um, then I, I say rent as if they're going to go to a video store and rent this, uh, watch <laughs> it on their shutter or their Netflix or Amazon, mm-hmm. whatever it is. Um, then I, then I've done my job. And if I can sort of help, you know, shepherd along uh, a future fan, um, then that makes me, then that makes me happy. So. That's awesome. Well, yes, well done. And I think that that is absolutely will happen, uh, for you. Um, I, I, you know, I, my nieces and nephews live uh, thousands of miles away, but I would definitely show them this. <laughs> Yay. Like, here's some horror. All right. Well, again, we thank you so, so much for taking time out of uh, your schedule. Cause uh, you know, obviously, you know, you're still busy doing things and developing stuff, you know? So even though we're kind of in this stasis, there's plenty, I'm sure work for you to do and plenty of uh, choices for how you want to use your time. So we really uh, absolutely adore you and thank you so much for coming on and 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 chatting with us about uh this just hilarious macabre movie (laughs) thank you for having me i love you guys i love fright school um i miss seeing you in person (laughs) yes Yes. we we look forward to making that happen again (laughs) it will happen one day (laughs) it will it will we'll put it out there so all right well thank you again so much joe dear listener uh you know See you, Chad. See you next week. (laughs) Have a good night. (laughs) Thank you. Happy Halloween.
Fright School is produced by Joshua Napier and Joe Farron. Our intro was edited by Davy Boy Productions. Our logo was designed by Jamie Channel Guzman. Episodes are edited and engineered by Joe Farron. Fright School is produced in terrifyingly beautiful San Diego, California. Listening to the Geekscape Network.